The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone, Macca19 here and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast live once again on Port Fan Radio. Joining me as co-host is the wonderful golfy Rick. How are you, mate? Yeah, mate. How's it going? Good, buddy. Yourself? Oh, yeah, pretty good. I'm, like, I'm, I'm very lucky. Olympics is on. Got to play golf today. Life's pretty good. And now we get to talk about the shit heap that was Port Adelaide's performance on the weekend. Yeah, not really motivated about that. <laughs> but anyway, we continue on. Indeed. Well, let's get into it straight away and talk about our sweet and sour. One thing from uh, one thing we found sweet, one thing we... Th- uh, found sour about Port Adelaide on the weekend. Rick, I'll start with you, mate. Oh, shit, that's tough, Macca. Um, I'm gonna. My sweet is the fact that I didn't think about Port Adelaide Football Club for four hours while I was playing golf on the golf course. <laughs> Can I, is that tolerable? Can I? That's that that's very good. That is very good. I wish I could have played golf today. It would have been much better. It was a cracker of a day. It was a perler. So I'm very fortunate that. I was able to get out and appreciate it. It was a good day today. It was bloody warm oh. too. Must have yeah, been about nice. 20 or so. It was nice. Yeah, it, it was nice. It was a cracker. What about you, mate? What did you have? I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got yeah. absolutely nothing. I could do a token thing from the SANFL game, but I'm, I'm going to choose nothing this week. There was, there was nothing good about Port Adelaide on the weekend. Nah. I'm with you. That's what I was going to do, but I thought I'd chuck the golf in there for something different. Yeah. So can't blame you at all. I mm. feel the same, and I think we're not alone. <clears throat> no, no. I think uh, I think there's many on the same path. So what was your sour? Just oh, pick one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. What was it? Robbie Gray with five disposals coming into the last quarter or something? Yeah. There you go, there's one. Mm. Even if he's carrying a little bit of, in, of an injury, he's too good a player to be only getting five disposals in a game of football. Well, what's he, what is he, contracted to 2022 or something? Oh, something stupid, yeah. Mate, you, you can afford a, a relaxed game every now and then when you're contracted for the next seven years. So, you know. Uh, he's better than that. Yeah, you know, and that's part of the problem. Well, now. you know, he should be, but... This isn't the first time he's put in a performance like that this year. He's probably the highest paid player at the club. It's not good enough. Not acceptable. No, not really. And, uh, yeah, it was very disappointing. And that's probably symptomatic of our most experienced players, that uh, the repeat offenders in letting us down. Yeah. Yeah. Yours? The whole club, from top to bottom, is, uh, is very sour at the moment. From preliminary final to the shit we see every second week over the last two years, it's just not good enough. Um, I, I really don't want to hear sugarcoating from the likes of KT. To be honest, I don't want to hear how we have to work harder from Ken. I, I don't want to hear we're spewing from from Bokey. I want to hear what the plan is to turn this club around. And there's too many people at this footy club at the moment who are way too comfortable with their lot at this club. club coaches, players, backroom staff, the works. They've all dropped the ball this year. 54 to nil, we were, in this game. 54 to nothing. 
Like, in what way is that any sort of acceptable situation to be in? You know, we're meant to be... This was, a, again, a season where we were supposed to be gunning for a premiership. And we put in that sort of performance for about the fifth time this year. You know, it's, that was the most disgraceful effort I've seen since 2011. And, you know, we're not going to change. There's, it's almost like there's cancer in the walls at the Port Adelaide Footy Club at the moment. And it's not going to change until we make significant changes. Do we need to start drawing some lines in the sand? Mate, there needs to be some lines in the sand. We need to go out for a cup of coffee and a pizza. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, some more Wispuans. And, uh, and turn this around. Yeah, well, I mean, I was a bit disappointed to the point where I actually sent an email um, because I, I just thought it was time to uh, to give an opinion on my observations. I just And it's similar to basically what you, you're saying there. I just don't think it's... Um, as a Port Adelaide supporter, I just think of when Timmy G comes on every time, he, he tells us, you know, Port supporters will say it as it is, and if it's not good enough, we'll tell them it's not good enough. And I thought, you know what? I think it deserves an email being told it's not good enough. And yep. uh, and I actually think there's a disconnect at the moment. Even though they think they're connected with the members, I think there's still a disconnect there. And... Uh, they're not listening because we're not happy, and but they're not doing anything. So uh, it's very, very frustrating. No. From top to bottom, this club is, uh, has really dropped the ball this year. Um, I've told you about the issues that I've had with the club, and uh, it's, it's just not right. You know, Our club should not be run this way. Um, we should not be performing in this way. Um, and it needs to change, and it needs to change pretty quick. Mm. It's an interesting question. How does it change? Well, people need to leave, to be honest. Changes need to occur. There needs to be some uh, personnel changes. Um, there's probably a few people which are safe, but there's probably some coaching staff that need to be moved on. There's, I think there's definitely some development staff that need to be moved on. Uh, I think changes definitely need to be made to the leadership group. And, um, you know, there's probably uh, two or three players that need to be shown the door. Mm. Are you willing to name names? Oh, I think we all can work out. I think everyone's probably got different ideas of who should be moved on or who's performing, who isn't performing. So, um, probably not going to name names, but I thought I think um, we can all work it out. I thought there was an interesting name that sort of flies under my radar that's been at the club for quite a while was um, uh, the good bloke Stuart Cochran. I never thought about him. I mean, he's been in, he's one of those guys, I guess, and who's been in this, our system for quite a long time now. Yeah. Uh, through that period of, uh, or and current period of uh, mediocrity, um, you know, maybe it's just changes like that. Maybe, you know, even minor personnel like that just don't drive, you know, because he's supposed to be a great bloke, but yeah. maybe they don't drive the players hard enough to... Uh, to be motivated to want to push those boundaries. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, we've had an in- interesting, or well, quite a sad comment on the uh, Spreaker chat, actually. Uh, Ryan Pillar has written, um, what will be interesting is if we see Jarman for the rest of the year. Um, his dad announced on Facebook last night that his cancer has returned and he's been given just months to live, which is uh, shocking news. Well, I would hope that Jarman's not playing and he's spending time with his father. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely spot on. Because uh, what's the point of him playing in a failed season? I'd rather him go and spend time with his dad. I mean, and I'm sure. I know, and that's one thing. The club with, with their player welfare has been fantastic. And yeah. uh, uh, I mean, his dad might want to take the option of, you know, wanting Jarman to still do what he does. But um, that's horrible news for Jarman. That's, yeah, yes. awful. Not good at yeah. all. No. So our thoughts are with Jars um, and the Impey family for sure. And, um, yeah, hopefully that works out uh, for the best in in some way. Um, Dylan has yeah. written in is Stuart Cochran uh, Stuart Cochran at the club. And I have to say, um, didn't he leave at the end of last year? Didn't he move on? I don't know. I just saw that comment on Big Footy today, and uh, and I thought, yeah, he's one of those guys. I thought he was still there, but I don't know. I thought he was. I thought he either left at the end of last year, or he announced that this would be his last year at the club. Well, maybe he was fearing that Rick was going to call him out, so he <laughs> he, he jumped ship before that got to it. Look, that's uh, it's probably a good thing to do. <laughs> uh, right, um, on to our questions. Um, on to on, the questions. On to the questions. We've got a lot of questions tonight. Uh, awesome. Andre has written in and asked, uh, at what point did you hit the alcohol hard to numb the pain? And Rick, you, uh, you polished off about four bottles of wine last week. How many did you sink this time? I didn't sink any, but uh, I'll be brutally honest. I, so I had a friend coming over to visit me, so I recorded the game, and uh, I actually watched halfway through the recording and got to half time, and then I just said, F this shit, I can't be bothered watching anymore because it's a disgrace. <laughs> and uh, so that's just as bad as uh, I would have needed to drink to actually have got the whole way through, I reckon, yeah. because uh, it was an abysmal game. It was. That was. Uh, I had my uh, my folks over for lunch. Um, they drove up, and um, so we had a lunch and uh, we went into the lounge room and watched the footy. And uh, to be honest, at quarter time, I was very near, very very close to turning it off and uh, and deciding to do something else. Um, oh, what did you the think? First of time the I felt that way in, in a very very long time. What did you think of the goalless first quarter? We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and yeah, I had a few beers after the game, so that uh, that certainly helps. Some uh, some no. very nicer Pikes Pilsner Lager, which is uh, which is delicious, absolutely delicious. No wine, no wine, no, no. Hit the beers at the moment, so yeah. Um, Andre has also written, um, "Who are your picks for the fringe player sacrifice this week?" No, oh, I'd have to say uh, Sam Gray. He okay. would. Uh... He was slipping over way too often, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure Archie would get the chop as well. Yeah. Look, I think a need for Amon is uh, is an absolute certainty this week. Hmm. What about senior players? Well, do we ever drop senior players? Or I can't remember the last time Broadbent would be the last senior player dropped, wouldn't he be? Oh, oh well, Matt, Matt, Loby, Matt Loby. Yeah, Matt Loby. Loby. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I think last me. year we dropped uh, Brody and Jonas at times, but uh, that that would be about it. Yeah, not much. Porsche has also written um, Archie is the one to chop, and uh, yeah, he'll, he'll probably go out. Yeah, he didn't do too much either, but uh, yeah, disappointing. But it's not the fringe players that are at fault. No, it's not. Absolutely not. And look, Andre's written in and asked another question. This is the Andre question hour right here. 
Yeah. Other than Bassett, does any coach um, get even a pass mark for this year? How no, many can we realistically move on at once, and which then are the highest priorities to replace? Does Bassett get a pass mark? Well, I was going to say, um, does he get a pass mark? I'm not sure he does. Why does Bassett get an auto pass mark for this year? I think there was... I mean, he's had a young defence, so he's been dealt a, a bit of an average hand there. But at the same time, and I think he had a period like, you know, there was about four or five weeks where, um, you know, the defence was holding up pretty well. But, you know, I wouldn't actually pass any of the coaches. No, probably not. Um, Nick certainly doesn't, that's for sure. Um, I think he's uh, he's one that we should look to move on, to be honest. I think he's really dropped the bowl this year. Um, our forward line has been absolutely disgraceful at times. Um, Voss is probably one that's managed to actually turn around the midfield in the last three months, uh, which he's gotten absolutely no credit for. Um, so he's probably the only coach, in my opinion, that's uh, closing in on a pass mark. Really? How can you how can you argue he turned around the midfield? What, what's your justification there? Because I think our midfield's actually worked a hell of a lot better in the last two to three months than it was uh, at the start of the year, and certainly last year as well. Um, we're winning more clearances. We're getting more of the bowl. Um, our transition football is a lot cleaner than it was at the start of the year. So I think as a group, the midfield's actually gelled together reasonably well. Um, and for instance, on the weekend, it's certainly not... Um, the midfield's fault that uh, they look up and have absolutely nobody to kick to for 45 minutes. Um, so what else, are they, what else are they meant to do? Mm. I think I'd rather just assess the uh, the coaching panel as a whole and give them all the fail. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I agree Bassett. Um, look, Bassett's uh, not had a lot to work with this year. You know, pretty much our entire first string Defence has been out injured or suspended or whatever. Um, and, it, it, yeah, look, our defence has held up exceptionally well considering um, what they've had to deal with. So that's, um, I guess he's probably close to a pass mark as well, but that, that would be about it, I would think. Uh, yes. Phil Reich has written in, um, would shambolic losses in the last three games actually be a blessing in disguise as it may finally force the change in direction the club so desperately needs? I don't think it really matters, to be honest. I think, no. I think if if they if we got three wins out of the last three games, and then the club wants to come out and say that it's all good now, uh, well then obviously we're in that bad state of affairs that we're worried that we're in. Uh, I don't think wins or losses at this point in time uh, really make a difference, except for potentially draft picks. Yeah, look, it would bring back memories of two thousand and nine. Really, we were right in the finals race and then uh, lost the last four or five games and that was the end of that. Mm. Um, I'm not sure we will get any um, senior coaching change this year. Um, as we said, maybe a couple of assistants might move on into other areas uh, or get replaced, but uh, I certainly can't see Hinkley getting axed this year. Well, I, I'm still not sure that sacking Hinkley's the way to go. I mean, I mean, obviously terminating a head coach under contract, A, is going to be costly, and B, it's um, is obviously going to be very destabilising because we're starting again from scratch. But I definitely think he needs, and I've said it in the past, he needs some more tactical nows in the box to support him. 
And uh, I think that's the fundamental principle that's required. So uh, that's what we need to go out and do to get him more support. But, you know, I'd be hoping that the club looks... Excuse you. I'm hoping that the uh, club goes out and does a full review, to be honest, of everything. Player development, recruitment, coaching... And, uh, you know, it'd be fair dinkum about it and see what comes up. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair as well. Um, I think we definitely need some sort of review as to what actually happens in the coach's box. Are we doing the right things? What What is Sean Hart's role exactly? Um, is he fulfilling that role? Is Ken doing too much um, during the week? Is it, You know, where are we breaking down here? What's... Um, What's happening uh, to cause this sort of breakdown? Yeah, well, I mean, there, to me, there must be um, uh, a lack of co- cohesion in the coach's box because um, I just don't see it on the footy field. There's no proper sequence or structure with the what we're trying to do with our strategy. So, no. uh, <clears throat> uh, which then in turn, you know, the players are only following the coach's instructions there, so... You know, that really comes back to the coaches. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's been a worry of mine for the last two years now. Yeah. Look, it's it's probably a really good point in that um, what has been our game plan this year? Because I, I certainly couldn't tell you what it's meant to be. Um, in 2013, I thought we had a pretty clear game plan. In 2014, we had a really clear game plan. 2015... We tried to continue on from the 2014 game plan. It didn't work. We were unable to sort of successfully create different options. But this year, I really could not say with any sort of um, clarity what our game plan is supposed to be. And that's a, that's a real concern. Well, I mean, if you isolate one ball movement, our kick-ins, what do we do 90% of the time? Kick it long to the pocket. Yeah. You know, we don't have a plan B, C, D, or anything. No, you know, there, it's, it's no... pretty much exactly the same every single time we kick it in. Yeah, mm. and and that just continues on forever. We've we've lost our ability to sort of lock it into our forward half. Uh, we bleed it out of there, you know, from their kick-ins uh, too easily, and uh, yeah, we just don't have a structure. Yeah. Next question, the Beard Amigos. Uh, who do we recruit to fill in the holes in our list? So I guess, I guess the question first off has to be, what are the holes in our list? Well, with the dysfunctional game plan, it's really hard to tell. Mm. I mean, you know, we usually compare to Hawthorne, but I guess what Don Pike's done with the Crows shows that sometimes it's not necessarily massive overhaul and player changes, but just having the players understand the process and the strategy that you want to implement. And, uh, yeah, so for me, it's really, really difficult. I guess we we probably need a, a second forward to go with help Dixon because yeah. Schultz is getting too old and I just assume Butcher's not going to be there. And Westhoff doesn't really play like another tall forward and we can't rely on Dougal because obviously he's going to be coming back from a knee injury. So... I mean, if Lobie's playing, is does Jackson become our second tall forward, perhaps? Um, you know, we need, obviously, uh, some more ruck depth and support. Um, I'm liking our defence, where it's going, with the players that are there. And, obviously, we need some more midfielders. Yeah. 
No, you're spot on. I think we need another key forward. I think um, probably another young key defender might be on the cards as well. Certainly uh, some ruck options. Um, some inside midfielders that can actually win the ball uh, would be great. Some outside midfielders with skill would also be great. Um, which leads me into another question uh, from Finest of Wines. We still have similar holes in our list as we did five years ago. Is it time our recruiting and list management staff are changed? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'd be ha- well. I'd be happy to look at it again. This is where I'd like. Yeah, if I was in the footy club, I I would like a uh, you know expert consultant to come in and say that yeah, yeah, the recruiting's not good enough. They need more support, or they're doing this wrong. Uh, and then sort of ascertain from there. I mean, for us, it's hard outside looking in. You know, don't know the number of scouts we're running compared to opposition clubs. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something that needs to be looked at. Is it the recruiting and list management who have uh, stuffed up here, or is it the development staff that have stuffed up here? Well, I think it's a bit of both. But, yeah, everyone was happy with Peter Road a couple of years ago when he's when he stopped, you mm-hmm. know. But, you know, a couple of years before then, uh, they weren't. But I think there's two. I, I think our player development structure is deficient when you compare it to the better sides in the competition. And uh, and if you talk to Portia and read her posts, uh, she'll point out the glaring deficiencies we've had in our recruitment and list management over the last five to six years. I guess, for me, one of the big bugbears is our results against Sydney are deplorable, right? Okay. And they've been deplorable now since 2006. Well, we can even drag it back to 2003. 1997. 97, <laughs> yeah. And, I mean... We've only us, got like a 20% win record against them. Like, we yeah, we seriously struggle. We can't beat them. And that's, that's a, a really, really poor reflection on us as a footy club. I mean, I think I said it to Porsche on Thursday. I mean... Well, we go through a, a list cycle, what, every five years sort of in, a, in an AFL landscape. So, I mean, so we've been deficient now. If we just go over 10 years, we've had two list cycles to try and, you know, accommodate the deficiency we've, we've had in a great side like Sydney, and we still haven't addressed it. And one of them is we keep playing this Mark Williams style, thinking we can run lean, thin players, uh, and we're going to get rewarded from the outside. And every year, irrespective, the big body teams end up doing the best when it comes to the finals. Yeah, absolutely. We really struggle against um, Sydney, and they are the one team that are very structural. They stick to their structures. Uh, they know exactly what they've got to do. They're, they're very big bodies. Um, if, if anybody in essence, are crowbots. It's probably actually the Swans. And we, we can't beat that because we're not big enough, we're not fast enough, we're not strong enough. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly an issue. And, uh, and we're, we're not, not methodical. Team. No, no, we're not methodical. Absolutely and, not. And that's where I think it's a blight on our footy club that we can have these teams where uh, they've had such an extended run of success, like North Melbourne did against us as well, and uh, you know, and we don't change anything to overcome that. I mean, to me, that's a, a glaring alarm that you know, the team could dominate us for so long, and we don't look at it and go, well, what are they doing that we're not doing? And uh, you know, and how? Do, what do we have to change uh, 
uh, to beat some one of the best sides in the competition. And, you know, we haven't really tried to do anything. Yeah. Uh, Roger James has asked, uh, will it take Ryder half a season to get competitive again? If so, um, 2017 will also be screwed. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not as convinced on that because... I mean, a lot of players, when they're injured, they're, they've got limited uh, recovery and fitness-based because of the injury. I mean, yeah, I get that match fitness isn't the same, but most players come into a pre-season without the match fitness, but they've got the fitness. So I would imagine that Ryder will be able to pick up the match, uh, match fitness probably no different to the players that haven't been suspended. So as long as he's worked his ass off and kept himself mighty fit, I would hope that he picks it up pretty quickly. And let's assume mm. that he that he's ten or fifteen percent off at the stage that he would be next year to normal. Well, then I guess we've got a player like Jackson Trengove that maybe can give him that chop out for that extra ten or fifteen percent. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. We're, we're putting a lot of faith onto the shoulders of someone that hasn't played a competitive game of football for what will end up being 18 months when he when he plays his next game. And I think I've said it um, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, so I'll bet the house that he does a hamstring or some other sort of soft tissue injury in the first couple of games, which will see him out for a month or so. So I reckon it's bound to happen. Yeah, it could do. I mean, it, it happens quite often when they're coming back from, uh, from injury. So... Uh... Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I guess it's just a matter of what rut cover are we going to have for him? Are we actually going to recruit any tall players this year? I would hope so. Absolutely. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. We seem to have this phobia of um, drafting tall players. Mm. Well, I'm not sure we've got a phobia of drafting tall players. I think um, we probably don't draft enough, but... uh... Yeah, not sure. I don't know. Mm. But we, we definitely need some more tolls. That's for sure. I agree. I, I can't imagine what the uh, reaction on the board will be come uh, the end of the rookie draft and we haven't drafted another Ruckman. Do you think we won't draft another Ruckman though? Or trade? Well, it depends on Loby, doesn't it? It depends what we do with Loby. If we keep Loby as backup because he's still contracted for another three years or whatever it is, um, then maybe we won't uh, decide to draft uh, a young Ruckman. Um, if we choose to trade him, then I, I think we'll be in line to draft maybe one or two. Yeah, that was another great list management decision there, wasn't it? Yeah, first round picks could have happened, you know. Mm. Signing Loby for like 15 years. That was Luck favours the brave. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about being a ruthless football club. We talk about being brave and playing brave football. And uh, every, every decision we've made in the last two years has been anything but, just about. Correct. Uh, next question, us against the rest. Um, is it actually possible for a club like ours to be dominant for sustained periods of time? Or are we destined to be also runs for eternity? So again, well, my, I guess my counter question is, what what does he mean by a club like ours? Yeah, what I don't understand the question. Well, do you think he means maybe uh, in terms of financials or without the resources of the big clubs? Yeah, but I thought we were 
getting back on a reasonably even keel with the majority of the clubs. I think we're getting back on a um, sort of a status quo sort of thing. Like, I mean, we've got a fair uh, structure of resources now. We've got a coaching director. We've got the uh, you know we've got the, a plethora of uh, uh, assistant <coughs> coaches. Um, you know, so I don't think I don't think we're short of anything. Like I said, I don't know what our scouting situation is. Maybe uh, you know maybe that's one area we are a little bit deficient. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think we hire as many scouts as what other clubs do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's sort of changing all the time. Like, clubs are, are looking, I think, towards a lot more sort of full-time staff in that area these days as opposed to um, relying on part-timers. And I think we're still mm. relying on part-timers. But I could be wrong there. But, yeah, I don't know. I guess um, my answer to the question is how many big cu- uh, big clubs have actually won flags in the last 10 years? Um, you know, Collingwood have, have won one. Uh, West Coast have won one. Uh, Geelong haven't traditionally been a big club, but they, they probably are now with all the advantages they've got um, in their region. Um, Hawthorne still aren't a big club. They still sell home games for millions of dollars a year just to get by. They nearly mm-hmm. merged five years after making something like eight grand finals in nine years. Ten years after that, they're getting 12,000 home games at the MCG. Um, which forced them into selling home games to Tassie. So if a club like Hawthorne can have multiple dynasties, as they've had, then really so can Port Adelaide. Absolutely. Essendon hasn't been fantastic as a big club, have they? No, certainly not. Carlton haven't done anything for for 20 years. Um, Richmond haven't done anything for 30 years. I I think what's... uh... Being a big club, so to speak, and cashed up, um, sometimes you get a bit complacent and lazy. And I guess, like you pointed out, with, say, the Hawthorne type of club, you know, they've got to be on edge. They've got to be hungry to, to push the boundaries. Um, you know, and I guess, where's our hunger? Where are we pushing? Well, that's a fair point. You raise a good question. And, uh, and Porsche has written, um, leadership is greater than resources. And I do agree with that. Dylan has um, asked the question, what defines a big club? Um, so, yeah. I mean, look, Hawthorne obviously make great decisions. They've got a great structure in their coaching staff, in their playing staff. Obviously, their recruiters do a wonderful job as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, if, if they can become so successful, then really so can Port Adelaide. And look, all, all the big clubs... All, all the traditional big clubs across the league um, haven't really won many flags in the last sort of 10, 15, 20 years. So. Um. I, think they, I think those clubs are willing to let go someone of value to, to continually regenerate, regenerate their list. You know, so like yeah. Hawthorne, you know, Hawthorne is sort of like, well, it's going to be what it's going to be if Brad Hill wants to go back to Freya. Because well, they know the they, Trent they... Crow trade is the perfect example of that. Like they traded one of their favourite players, one of their best players. They ended up with pick one um, and another pick as well, and they ended up getting him back two years later anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the sort of um, you know ruthless, you know, brave decision that we should have made last year with someone like Matt Lobie. Absolutely. 
They would have taken his wage. They would have got to pay two first-round picks. And, uh, you know, that would have revitalised our list a little bit and given us a bit more uh, youth and speed. Yeah. That's it. Porsche has written in and said, we sign long-term contracts because we're afraid players will leave and we don't trade players for profit because we're afraid of hurting culture. Yeah, well, how's our culture? Bang on the money. Yeah, I agree with Porsche, but how's our culture going now? Uh, she's also written and said it's uh, it's not ruthless and it's uh, pretty fragile. It is. It is. Spot on. Yeah. But there are a bunch of good blokes. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Well, good guys finish last, Rick. Yes, they do. That's it. Uh, Dylan has written uh, McDonald's or HJ's? Interesting question, Macca, because... It's got to be HJ's, them? doesn't it? Does it? It's got to be HJ's. Why HJ's? Their burgers taste better. Their chips taste better, especially now. Their uh, their frozen drinks taste better. Uh, the only you... thing that McDonald's has going for it, in my opinion, is um, the fillet of fish, which is great, <laughs> and uh, the Big Mac sauce, which is great, and also McFlurries, which are also great. I uh, I used to really really like the Big Mac mayo. That was awesome. Yeah, you know, I reckon they'd make a fortune if they actually just sold the mayo in the supermarket. Because I'd probably buy it, but now that I don't, I don't eat my red meat anymore for Dylan. As mm. uh, you know, with that special diet that I'm on, do, Ma- do McDonald's do a vegan burger or not? Yeah, but so no. I have to judge it on who does the best chicken burger. I don't really order like a frozen fish burger; it just doesn't really do it for me. So no. I'd have to, go, I'd have to go Hungry Jacks because. They make a better chicken burger, I reckon. The grilled chicken is phenomenal at Hungry Jack's, I've got to say. Yeah, but I was, when I was a red meat eater, I was a big fan of the Ultimate Whopper with uh, cheese and bacon. Okay. Never been a, a fan of the Whopper, Rick. What's wrong, what's wrong with the Whopper? I, I just don't like it. I've, I've never, ever been a fan. I reckon I've had two in my life, and both times I've said, yeah, this isn't all that great. I'm a bacon no. double fan. Got to go the bacon yeah. double. Yeah, but they're too small. That's why you get two. Only two? Shit, I could eat like four of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that the, was the, the Whopper is a big burger, but um, yeah. Oh, look, I, I prefer HJ's if if we're if we're going down that path. But yeah, fish burgers are the best. I love a good what fish about, burger at a good really? um, fish and chip shop. Oh yeah, fish and chip shop. That's different. At least you sort of got maybe close to um, fresh fish, not. Yeah, you know, but I mean, it's a frozen patty at those places. So, yeah, I don't know. I've never really been one for the fillet of fish, I must admit. Mm. All right, Papagallo has asked the question. Um, you have to sex one, marry one, and kill one of Matt Westhoff, Alan Murray, and Danny Butcher. Who am I going to have sex with? <laughs> I have to have sex with one of them? Yeah. Oh, God. That's just awful. Who would you pick? I would marry Alan Murray. Because he had a great smile and he looked like a really nice fella. Um, I would probably sex Matthew Westhoff. And I would probably kill Danny Butcher because he's the ugliest human being I've ever laid eyes on. I can't believe you're even answering that question. That's just appalling. <laughs> I refuse to. I refuse to answer. Look, if Matt Westhoff had a had a has a beard like his brother, look out. 
I would, uh, I guess I'd probably want to marry Matt Westoff just so I could marry into the Westoff family. But I would be a bad bitch because I just wouldn't put out for him. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> so he'd be very un- he'd be very unfulfilled. Fair enough. Fair enough. Andre, the Andre questionnaire is back. Uh, yes. What is Ken's passing grade to remain on post two thousand and seventeen? You've just broke out there. What was that? What is the pass mark for Ken to remain on after next year? Well, we have to make finals. Just finals? Mate, I'd just be happy to make finals at this point in time. I'm not bloody greedy, are you? Uh, no, I would be very happy to make finals. That's for sure. Two, two years out of finals. Um, yeah, with question marks over the list. If we can, uh, if we just get into the top eight, I think we, we have to take that. Yeah. Although I think it's pretty clear if we're missing finals next year, Ken's gone. 100% yeah. gone. There's, there's no way we're keeping him on if, um, if we haven't uh, made finals in three years. I think if it's looking like we're going to miss finals, he could be out the door uh, before the end of the season. Uh, but I think if, uh, if we do make the finals, then they'll probably give him um, a short-term contract, I think, like a two-year contract. Well, he's still got two more years to go anyway. I'm pretty sure they signed Two year, up. No, in the next year. No, I reckon it's the year after. No, I'm pretty sure it's in the next year. Because I thought they announced a contract extension last year, and um, which gave him four year, another four years in total. Because I'm I reckon sure. I went. I, I reckon I went there as the uh, Port Fan Radio media person for that one. Mm. Could be. Mm. I do have to apologise to Danny Butcher. That was pretty harsh what I said. I feel bad now. But... No, don't feel bad. <laughs> you're pretty ugly too, so you're allowed I to am. cast stones. I am. If anyone knows ugliness, to... it's definitely me. You're allowed to cast stones wherever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So Very piss true. off, Rick, you wanker. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're spot on, mate. Spot hey, on. It's, a, it's the personality that counts, mate. It is, yeah. That's, that's what, what I keep telling mom, myself. That's yeah. what my mum used to tell me all the time. That's <laughs> all right, Rick. It's all about your personality. <coughs> what that's are you it. saying, mum? That I'm butt ugly. Mm. She yeah. was, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Right, let's uh, get to our review. It was uh, business as usual for Port Adelaide in the Harbour City as we copped another large loss um, after being completely uncompetitive against the Swans once again. Uh, Sydney broke out to a 54 to nothing lead partway through the second quarter and uh, went on to win by just 67 points in the end. Uh, probably slowed down a bit there. Four goals, nine to 14 goals, 16. No multiple goal scorers. Uh, we broke new ground by having our first scoreless first quarter in our AFL history. We have had scoreless quarters, though, haven't we? We've had uh, six other scoreless quarters, I think. This was number yep. seven. But we've not been uh, zilch the big goose egg at quarter time. Did you think it was pathetic? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But, I mean, the question has to be asked, how many times have we actually seen this team be so uncompetitive to start games this year? You know, we were, what, nine goals down eight minutes into the second quarter on Saturday. We were 10 goals down against the Crows 11 minutes into the second quarter in round two. We were 10 goals down just before halftime against GWS. 
the, the real lack of competitive instinct with this club has been absolutely pathetic at times this year. And uh, on the weekend was, uh, was the prime example. I mean, what the living hell was, uh, was going on in that first quarter, Rick? I don't think they knew. Is there, do you reckon there's a fracture in the playing group? I don't know if there's a fracture in the playing group or if there's a fracture in the coach's box or if the message just isn't getting through or if the message is too complicated or if it's just a really shit message to begin with. Because oh, that first quarter was... I've been trying to think. Oh, I can't... I, I think we even played better when we lost by 170-odd points to Hawthorne, to be honest. I mean, well, once again, I, the coaches... I thought stuffed up massively with how we wanted to play in that first quarter, and how you can manage to literally have nobody in the forward line for for pretty well forty five minutes. The first forty five minutes of that game is uh, is beyond me. There, there, there was nothing more frustrating as a player than winning the ball, looking up at half back, and seeing absolutely nobody to kick to in the forward yeah. ninety meters of the ground. And the SCG is a smaller ground. Oh, I, I just have no idea what the game plan was supposed to be on the weekend. Um, and and so many really times... Yeah, well, so many times we had no option but to just kick it long down the line to nobody. And and how we expect to win football games by doing that, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, and like I was trying to say, it's it's not like we were going to be worse off for having some forwards up in front of the ball because we're getting smashed anyway. Yeah. So what, what look, did it really matter? Our game plan in the first quarter seemed to be pretty clear. Like, we were playing down the outer wing. And time and time again, we had no players down the line on the outer wing. So why are we playing down the fucking outer wing if we've got no players there? What is the point of that? Like, we switched to... Where, where were the forwards? We play three key forwards. Where were they? What like literally? Where were they? You need to send out the homing pigeon with a with a note, <laughs> and uh, and hopefully they'll find them. And then, I think uh, they were they back might... on the golf course with you, mate. Well, they could have been. Hopefully they hit it better than what I did. But um, yeah, I look, I got I got nothing. I really got nothing. It was it was uninspiring, mm. and uh, that's why. And I'm with you. Like that's we should be questioning the coaches. What are they doing? And that's why I'm not willing to give a coach a pass mark because we should have made finals this year and we didn't. And uh, the players are fractured and you know, the coaches are, at the end of the day, in charge of that. Yeah. That was the most pitiful, lifeless quarter of football I've seen Port Adelaide play in a very, very long time. A very, very long time. That slaughter at the start of the year against the Crows was pretty woeful. Yeah, but that that was a, probably across two quarters, and we actually, I didn't halfway through that second quarter when we'd given up what five goals in five minutes to start the quarter, we actually looked alright in the showdown, and we we were back in the game, we were kicking goals. I think we uh, we we missed a few chances, and, and that was the end of that. But jeez, this was uh, this was shocking. This was absolutely shocking. I reckon they. Need I, to I really fall. do feel sorry for them. This is why I said. Um, my thing about the midfield a bit earlier. I feel really sorry for the midfielders on the weekend because what are you supposed to do? Like, I feel really sorry for someone like Carl Amon who probably three times in the first quarter 
just had to boot it down the line because there was absolutely nobody to kick to. So what what are you supposed to do in that situation? You, you can't really stop. You know, the, the defensive half of the ground is that crowded that you can't attempt to switch the play because it will just get chopped off. So you, you're just left with this sort of get out of jail, kick down the line, hope it doesn't go out for a free kick, but, oh dear, like there's four Sydney players about to run onto the ball anyway. So just not just not acceptable. Is it, is it work rate? Was it message? Was it game plan? Like... Well, look, it didn't look like they were working hard enough, and I think the commentators pointed out that they weren't working hard enough either. Yeah. I'd love to see the behind-the-goal vision of, of just what Butcher, Westhoff and Dixon were doing, like where they were situated in that first sort of 45 minutes because they certainly weren't anywhere near the forward 50, that's for sure. Yeah, well, that's the problem with TV, isn't it? You can't, um, you can't pick it all up. Oh, there you go. Kane Corns is putting Kane, Ken Hinckley on notice, apparently. Oh, thanks very much, Kane. Yeah. Hey? That's just what we want. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Kane thinks he's good for the job. Do people actually care about Kane Corns' opinion anymore? Or... I don't know, do we? Probably not. No? Yeah, not really? I don't know. It was, it was insipid. I mean, I, look, I just thought... I didn't think there was complete cohesion with the midfielders, though, either. Um, yeah, there was a lack of run there. Even even mm. Ebert didn't look really inspired, um, which just makes me think maybe there is a fracture in the group, you know, going back to the the old uh, rumour at the start of the year with our uh, captain and vice-captain. You know, maybe there is an element of truth to that rumour. Yeah. And that's created a division in the playing group, but... You know, I, I thought Sam Gray was back to his um, slippery best where he just kept slipping over and, uh, um, you know, not holding his feet. And, you know, obviously we brought up Robbie Gray not really influencing the game at all. And, you know, sul- I don't know if he was sulking or dropping his head or whatever, but, yeah. um, you know, it, it just really wasn't good enough. And it, no. If anything, I feel sorry for our defenders. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So do I. Um, Ryan Pillar has written in, I'm surprised that this has fallen on the forwards' heads when the mids were so poor. I don't think the mids were all that poor. I thought we were winning um, our fair share of the footy in that first quarter. We just had no one to kick to. And don't get me wrong, I'm not actually blaming the forwards for this. I'm blaming the coaching staff for this. I'm blaming the uh, the shithouse game plan, which we had on the weekend, which saw our entire forward line nowhere near the forward line for the first 45 minutes of the game. And it's not just the three tolls. Like, where was Youngie? Where was Wingard? Where was Impey? Like, none of them were, were anywhere near where they should have been. When we're winning... Yeah, I actually thought we were doing a decent job of getting the ball back in, in the defensive uh, 50 uh, for a lot of the, the first quarter. But we just had no one to kick to. Like, there, was, there was just nothing going forward at all. And that's coaching, in my opinion. Um, and it's... Uh, yeah. So I, I'm certainly not blaming the forwards for this. Has Hinkley lost the playing group? I don't think he would have lost the playing group. I just think um, uh, it's probably the third or fourth time where I think he's actually really screwed the pooch uh, in terms of his uh, his strategy coming into a game. Mm. Mm. Uh, As you said, Robbie Gray, just seven touches for the match. Uh, For an elite player who's uh, meant to be in the top sort of 10, 15 players in the competition, that's... uh, that's the sort of game that uh, the other elite players of the competition rarely, if ever, uh, bring to the table. 
Well, who would be in the top 10 elite players like that? Sam Mitchell? Sam Mitchell, Gary Ablett, Joel Selwood, Dangerfield, Pendlebury. Uh, when would they? When would any of those players only get seven possessions for a game? Uh, unless they've been injured, I would say pretty much never. Never? Yeah. Right? They just keep working. I mean, a poor game for Gary Ablett's, what, 25 disposals? Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, yeah, it just, to me it just looked like petulance in a way. Mm. And, and I reckon there was another game where he got dragged to the bench where he looked like he was having a bit of a sook too. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm just over it. No, mm. I, to me, all 38, 44 players, 42, whatever we got, they're all up, all up on the block, I reckon. And let's see what offers are there. Yeah. You know, is Travis Boak overrated? Oh, I don't think he's overrated. I think he was okay on the weekend. It was probably his worst game in about three months. Uh, but as I've said in the past few weeks, I think he's uh, he's probably been unfairly criticised at times this year. I think his, uh, his performance has actually been pretty decent uh, for most games this year. He's probably had two or three bad games. Uh, I don't think this was his worst game. Uh, I think it was Ebert's worst game for probably the whole season. Uh Dixon had, what, one kick and one mark? So, you know, is he underdone? Was he still struggling with his uh, with his leg? Um, or was he just continuing on the form that he had um, pre-injury? Yeah. Um, yeah, look, Ebert's been pretty good. It's hard to be too critical of him. Yeah. Um, but, like I said, I'd have anyone. I'd, after what's going on, I would... Uh, yeah, everyone's up for the right offer. I mean, yeah. not giving him away for a packet of chips, but um, I would just be having. A look. I think we've got cultural issues. I, I mean, we're too good a team to be serving up those average performances. Yeah, spot on. I thought we had a, a couple of okay players on the day. I thought Wines was pretty good, even though his uh, disposal efficiency was really, really low. Um, he seemed to be just about the only player that was actually capable of getting it out of the middle. Um, and even though his, his quick kicks forward uh, were generally going to the opposition, at least he was getting the ball. Uh, Sammy Gray was really good, I thought. That was probably his close to his best game for the year. Uh, Westoff in his 200th. Um, we did actually have a question which I forgot to ask, which was, uh, is that the most Westoff-like performance from the team that you could think of? Um, and you've got to say it's probably spot on, although... If it was going to be a Westhoff performance, we probably would have come out firing from the blocks in the first quarter and then uh, not scored anything at all for the second and third. But uh, I thought he was okay. And uh, look, Jarman Impey put in a, a pretty decent performance as well. Yeah, look, I've been really impressed with Jarman. If you think back to the start of the season, um, people were actually questioning uh, his role on the list. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's, uh, he's brought his form back... Uh, throughout the year to a, a fantastic position. So, um, yeah, it's... And, God, he's fast. He's a fast player. Mm. We, just need to use, we just need to use him properly. That's yeah. all. <coughs> but... Um, you've got to say, uh, mate, Jack, Jackson Tringove had a, uh, a pretty dirty day as well. Uh, from, yeah. from a record clearance game against Brisbane to just the one clearance against uh, Sydney was, uh, was, uh, was well down on what he can do. Sydney were never going to let him uh, get away with what he's got away with, were they? 
It's interesting he was up against two pretty young Ruckman as well. And we could have got Nankervis from memory Uh, in the draft, but we chose not to. Yeah, I'm not sure if he he was gone before our second pick or not. Yeah, I thought... thought, And I can't be bothered looking it up. Yeah, I thought we could have got him and we chose not to. Uh, I think he was uh, certainly around the mark. Um, Look, I would have been well happy to get uh, Nankers. Um... Because I reckon he's a he's a pretty good young player, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Well, I'm surprised we've been out of pitch on for 55 minutes already. Time's flying. Mm. Look, I've uh, I've stalled perfectly there, um, but yeah, he was gone before our second pick. So we picked um, we picked Impy with 21. Nankers yeah. just went uh, at 35, and our next pick was 45. So we missed out. No, I thought we could have got him. Well, we could have got him for Jarman Impey. But, yeah. yeah, but I'd probably rather Impey at this point. Would you? Yeah, if, if I was going to choose anybody over Impey, um, it would be one of the few players that were picked after him in terms of uh, uh, Rory Lobb, um, Billy Hartungo's all right, Match Crouch has obviously turned into a pretty decent player as well. Uh, so Rory Lobb probably would have been the one that uh, would suit our list pretty well at the moment. Well, let's move on and uh, and talk about the Maggies. Um, they travelled to Prospect to take on North Adelaide and uh, basically did to them what Sydney did to us at AFL level. We uh, we pretty well dominated from start to finish. One by 57 points, 16 goals, 11 to 7 goals, 8. Uh, Luke Reynolds just keeps on kicking goals. He kicked another three, uh, whilst Jakey Need and Steve Summerton kicked two. Uh as I said, Port dominated from go to woe. We had uh, 163 more disposals, 45 more marks, um, and 21 more clearances on the day. Um, and North just couldn't get anything going at all. The Loebmeister. Well, that's the big question, isn't it? What happens with Loeby? He had uh, he had a day out. He had um, 163 Dream Team points, which is uh, absolutely massive. He had 19 touches, 6 marks, 6 Marks. Ridiculous. 11 tackles, 48 hitouts, 5 clearances, and chopped in with a goal as well. So, mm. But 6 marks. That's amazing. What's going on there? How bad must North Adelaide be if Matty Loby's taking 6 marks? Or <laughs> <laughs> well, who, who's that, Ruckman? Craig? James Craig. Yeah, he was on the Crows list for about 4 years. But he's, a, he's an undersized ruck. He's only about 195 centimetres, I think, from memory, so... Uh, Lobie was able to uh, to jump over him, um, which was good. Look, he he had a, a wonderful game. There's there's no doubt about that. And I guess the question is, does he come in and play next week? Yeah, oh, they'll bring him in for sure. They would have been Ken would have been champing at the bit for that game, and uh, yeah. So um, I guess what's interesting is they bring him in. What do they do with Jackson? Well, maybe Jackson goes back to defence to help out the uh, the struggling um, young defence back there, and uh, and comes in with a, as a chop out, sort of for ten fifteen minutes of the quarter. Or do they drop Butcher and play him forward? Well, that's another option, I guess. Um, not sure. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those weird things. It's almost like the Wayne Rooney situation with Manchester United um, at the moment. I think. Obviously, on the basis of that one game, Loby probably deserves to be promoted um, back to the AFL lineup. But it's really going to throw out what we've been doing the last few months. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's one of those sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't situations, really. Mm. I'm sure they'll pick him. Mm. And I guess we sort of need to, really. Yeah. Even though Jackson did well against Gorn in uh, Alice Springs. He did, yep. Yep, he's... Uh, again, he's... Um, I mean, Gorn's a bit more of a leaper than uh, some of the other guys that... Uh, um, that Trengove's uh, played really well against. I think Gorn actually had a really, really good game against us. Um, but Trengove sort of did his job as well. So it was probably a win-win for the two rucks on that day. Mm. Um, how Matty Lobie goes... Um, from memory, I think he got uh, pretty well hammered against Max Gorn in the preseason, but my memory could be failing. Uh, I noticed uh, Palmer had another good game. Palmer was great. 25 touches, kicked a goal, uh, was really good through the midfield, had a massive first quarter, was one of the real shining lights uh, to our big uh, quarter-time lead. And look, I would be... Look, it's just about time that we give him his debut, really. There's no more that he can do at SANFL level um, to get his uh, his well-warranted debut. Well, he's earned his stripes, hasn't he? So, mm. let's support well, he, him. He had a good year last year, didn't get a look in. He's played some absolutely fantastic football this year. Hasn't got a look in. So, I think it's, um, you know, we're at home, we're against Melbourne. Just give him a, give him a shot. Finals are out the question. What can you lose by giving Jesse Palmer his debut? I mean, it's deserved. I agree. Let's uh, let's get him in there. Is there any other youngsters that deserve a shot? Probably not really. The rest are probably. Uh, Bonner had a pretty down day. Uh, I would have said Riley, but um, yeah, he, he was probably a little bit down on on what he's been doing recently. Um, will we see the return of Kane Mitchell again? He had forty four touches, twelve clearances, five inside fifties, and you know, as much as uh, he's criticised. He just performs week in, week out, and does, uh, you know, mm. plays exceptionally well at SANFL level, and just <coughs> continues to put his name forward. Well, that's his level, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. So that's where he should be. Um, in terms of other players, I mean, Matty White was pretty good. Yeah, twenty-five touches and uh, six clearances. He was pretty good. Um, well, Will Snelling is another young guy. He's still on the rookie list, so I, don't, I doubt he'll get a debut by the end of the year. But I would love to see him get another year next year. I think um, of our rookie list players, he's probably the one most likely to make it. Um, he was really good at the stoppages. 21 touches, uh, 7 tackles and 3 clearances as well. Um, I'm really not liking um, Rudloff at the moment. He was really good as well. Obviously, uh, just an SANFL player, not an AFL-listed uh, player. Dan Houston was pretty good. Um, no doubt we'll see Jakey Need come back in after his uh, couple of goals as well. We'll soon see. I don't think they'll be making dramatic changes. I think we might make two or three. Um, Who's the senior player that you would chop? If we were actually fair income. I mean, going off... Well, I don't know. Probably Charlie Dixon, to be honest. Really? Yep. I think he's been. Charlie. I think he's been horrendous for the last two months. Interesting. He's kicked what four goals in eight weeks or something now. So in his last eight games or so, so he's um he's he would be the most out of form senior player by a long way. Um, but, but 
whether the club would actually make that decision to play him in the SNFL and the, the negative press or the, uh, the press that that would bring. Uh, I'm not too sure. Probably not. Out of that, mm. I mean, what senior players are we, are we likely to drop? I mean, Brody was pretty ordinary, so he might be an option. Um, Pollock didn't do much. He might be unlucky and get dropped again. Cracker was ordinary. Um, we're not going to drop even or Gray. So, you know. Interesting. It'll be interesting. We'll see what sort of crowd we get there. Well, hopefully it's a big one, to be honest. Um, I'll be pretty disappointed if we get less than 40. Um, even though we're not playing well, we still need to uh, turn up and support the, the lads. So, Yeah? Are you turning up? I won't be. My, uh, jumping my in-laws... Off the band. Jump, no, no, you're jumping <laughs> off. Matt not jumping off. off. I would love Matt to go to the game, but my in-laws have booked a dinner on Saturday night to celebrate uh, one of their 60th birthdays. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't think I can get out of that one. The, uh, the secret is that you actually uh, texted them and said, please book something at this time. <laughs> <coughs> Save me, please. Mm. I think you'd be forgiven from sitting out a game. I, I hate missing games. I, I hate missing games. Mm. I usually miss one or two a year just because it's country and it's, it's hard to get to some and with young kids and all that sort of stuff and... Usually if there's a, a couple of illnesses in the family, I might stay home for, for one or two games. But um, considering I'll be in Adelaide anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Maybe the, uh, maybe the players need to take a leaf out of my book and start having cold showers before the game starts. Cold showers, maybe. Yeah. A sort of pre-game ice bath, maybe. Yeah. What about the Olympics, just before we go? Has there, has there been a highlight for you in the short term? Oh, probably Kyle Chalmers. Brett's uh, lad getting a bronze medal today, I think, was uh, was wonderful. What about the, the Boomers looked amazing? They were really impressive. They looked really, really good. I haven't seen... Didn't see them. Um, I saw some of the hockey. That was good. Um, well, we, lost, we lost today. And look, that, uh, that broken leg in the gymnastics was uh, <laughs> absolutely horrific. That's horrifying, isn't it? At least in football, when someone does something that bad, you can't hear it. But you could yeah. actually hear the snap in the video. Uh, it's, uh, it's disgraceful. Just, no. it's <laughs> I can't handle, I don't know how you could watch the video. I can't handle that stuff. All right. Well, mate. I'll, Pleasure. Uh, talk to you next Monday. Awesome. And, uh, I, get, uh, I get Thursday off. That's great. Yep. And uh, until next time. And I reckon I'm here until the last game of the season. Okay. Before I go. So how that's good. Is that? Wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Guess what I'm going to do. Well, the podcast's still going to keep going. We'll have our uh, end of season player reviews, and uh, myself and uh, and Porsche are putting together a draft extravaganza, uh, which is something to uh, look forward to. No point. No point including me in that one. No, probably not. No, I might. Uh, I might be over for the Singapore Grand Prix, Macca. Oh, that'd be good. Well, now I'm, look, I'm, we're rambling again. Sorry. Oh, this is actually an off-call conversation, but we're still on call. So pretty much, yeah. I, I land. <laughs> I land. In, I land in Singapore the day after the Grand Prix, so I'm going to see if I can bring the ticket forward. There that'd be go. pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yep. I'll send you some selfies from the Singapore Grand Prix. Great. 
So long as you're not in the shower, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> in a cold shower in Singapore. <laughs> All right. Until next Adios. time. Can the pair. Puts the ball across towards a teammate. Ritz hand pass though. Slapped. And now needs away. Everything falling into place. Need the beneficiary running down towards the 50. Lines up. Bacon goal square. How about this? This is breathtaking.